for it. Okay, thank you. Christians worldwide are celebrating Palm Sunday. We had our event with the, ch with the adults and children, Sunday school teachers and others who came forward with holding the palms, and I was excited that Roy blew his shofar. He has two shofars, and he blessed us with one of them today, and next week at Easter, we will get to hear another one. The church where I was a pastor at in Kailua, Hawaii, we'd walk around the church waving palm branches, and you can find a lot of palms in Hawaii. It's a good place to get palms. I just had to go out to my backyard and cut them. And they would wave them up and down. We'd walk around the Pali Road shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And cars coming by would honk and wave at us as well. I'd like to share with you a story about a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday. And so this little boy stayed home with his mom while his father went to church. And when the father returned home, he had with him a palm, palm branch. And the little boy asked his father, well, dad, why do you have this palm branch? What's that for? And he said, well, son, when Jesus came into town, everyone waved the palm branches to honor him. And so we all got palm branches today. And the little boy replied, Oh no, the one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. <laughs> the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all share the same story about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. But Luke's gospel makes no mention of palms during Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. Did you notice that? If you didn't, you can go back and read the other gospels, but there's no mention of palms. We only get the mention of people laying down their cloaks, their outer garments, onto the road. Now those were called himashia, and in ancient Greek, uh, ancient Greece, they would wear this outer garment of clothing. They'd throw it around over their shoulder like this, and it draped over their body. And this is what they were taking off and laying down on the road for the donkey and Jesus to walk across. If we were following only the story of the Gospel of Luke, we would be calling Palm Sunday Cloak Sunday. <laughs> now, many of you may or may not know that Kikuko-san saves some of these palms from year to year. Not all of them, but she saves quite a few of them. And then she takes them, dries them out, and then she burns them to make ashes. And that's what we use for our Ash Wednesday to begin Lent. So next year we will have these palms turned into ashes to use for our Ash Wednesday service. But if we didn't have the other Gospels, if we didn't have palms in the other Gospels, we might be burning our cloaks instead of palms. So we're very fortunate to have the other Gospel accounts. But Luke's Gospel raises another question for us. What kind of king do we want reigning over us? What kind of authority are we ready to submit to? There are many authorities which exercise influence over our lives, both formal and informal. 
And in fact, all those around us exercise some kind of power over us through their opinions, their personalities, evaluation of us, as we may exercise power over them. Luke raises the question for us, who is Jesus? As Jesus approached the city of Jerusalem, Luke slows down the story a bit. He's going into Bethany and Bethsage, and they're not too far from the city. They're just a few miles away. And Mount of Olives is just several hundred meters away with a panoramic view of its walls and its temple. And if you look at it, you'll see the sun glistening on it with its limestone, marble, and gold. Beautiful decorations. And so we've been following Jesus. We've been following his footsteps up to then. And up to that point, he's been doing some pretty amazing things. He's healed a blind man, which was pretty incredible. And then last week, we heard in a sermon from Tabuch Sensei that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And then after that, Mary had gone up to Jesus, and she had anointed Jesus with the precious perfume, the nard that she put onto Jesus and was criticized for it. But she recognized him as the Messiah. So Jesus was causing quite a stir and among the people and the religious leaders of the day. And the religious leaders were getting quite nervous. So the Jewish high council gathered. And after much debate, the high priest issued his judgment that Jesus would have to die. They also wanted to kill Lazarus, too, because so much attention was given to him as well, because he had been raised from the dead. So at that time, the smell of death was in the air. However, the crowds in Jerusalem were not perhaps aware of it at that point. Maybe some of them were, but many of them were not, because they were very excited to be greeting Jesus with shouts of Hosanna, and some were hoping that Jesus would be like a king and would come and save them from the oppressive rule from the Romans. So it was a parade, It was also a protest march and a funeral procession. In the words of Dr. Fred Craddock, you could hear the groan of God each step along the way. He was not marching into a welcoming city, but to his own grave. Jesus makes his next move. But Luke's focus on detail doesn't tell us some of the things we'd like to know. Like which disciples went ahead to find the colt? Exactly which village did the colt come from? Who are the owners of this colt? And what did they feel like when the colt was being taken? And we're told that the colt was being untied five times, five times. Now, a colt is a young donkey. We also call a colt a young horse, but a colt is a young donkey. So you'll find this translation, colt or donkey, in different Bibles. But it's interesting, five times it is mentioned. The disciples will find a colt that's tied up. They are to untie the colt. They might be questioned about untying the colt. They did untie it, 
and then they were asked about untying it. Why all this focus on untying it? Because according to Genesis 49, this is the sign of the coming one who is the true ruler of Judah, to whom the nations of the world will submit. In Luke, it is the colt's lord, or in other translation, the owners, who question the disciples. And they respond to these lords that the colt is needed by the Lord. The colt, this donkey, was nothing without Jesus. And we are the same. Let me share with you a story that I heard a long time ago when I was a young girl. Actually, it was someone I went to hear speak in uh, Silomar, which is in California. This was a Dutch woman. Um, she was a watchmaker and living in the Netherlands, and her name was Corrie Tinboom. And she talked about the donkey that Jesus rode. And before I share the story, I want to share a coincidence, or what I call a God incidence, of a connection with Johannes. Johannes, where are you? Raise your hand. Johannes, yes. Just stand up for a moment here. Some of you don't know him. He was singing. Okay, just wave your hand. So, hey, there's Johannes. Thank you. Johannes is from Germany, and he's here in Japan for three months. His father's a, a pastor and at a Hillsong church. And so, anyway, we were just talking in coffee time about Corey Timboon, and he said she was one of his grandmother's favorite authors. And yes, I do feel old. <laughs> she was a famous Christian whose testimony of suffering in Nazi concentration camps um, was told, and she talked about how God's grace um, sustained her through that time. And so her words have touched millions of lives. And she worked with her father, Caspar Timboon, and other family members to help the Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust during World War II, and they hid them in her home. But they were eventually caught, and they were sent to the concentration camp. She has a famous book called The Hiding Place. I don't know if anybody's heard of it, The Hiding Place. Some of you, raise your hands. Some of you have, okay. It's a biography that recounts the story of her family's efforts. The book also became a movie in 1975, and a sequel film in 2011 called Return to the Hiding Place, War of Resistance. So probably you could watch these films, I don't know, on Netflix or YouTube or wherever, but after the war, she set up Rehabilitation Center for Survivors, and she became an international speaker. She returned to Germany in 1946, and she met with and forgave the two German guards who had been employed at the concentration camp where she lived. And one had been particularly cruel to her sister, Betsy, who had died in the camp. But yet, Corey was able to forgive them. Later, Corey Timboon was asked by reporters if it was difficult for her to be humble because she was having so much attention given to her and she was given honorary doctorates and there had been these two movies made about her. But she replied immediately, Young man, when Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey, and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments on the road and singing praises. 
Do you think that for one moment it ever entered the head of that donkey that any of that was for him? If I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor. Yoshiko, can I hear an amen? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Yoshiko. Her life after this ordeal was dedicated to showing that Jesus' love is greater than the deepest pit into which humankind finds itself. Corey Timboon said throughout her hardship that Christ the King was by her side. Going back to the story of Luke, we learn that the colt, the donkey, hasn't been ridden on before because that is what was required for the king. And the foreman of the entering of the city follows the pattern of other examples from scripture and from culture. What is most striking is that such events do not mark the crowning of the king, but the recognition of the king who has already won his victory. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they hint at this in the way they record their acclamations of the crowd. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the coming one. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father. But Luke makes it explicit. Blessed is the coming king. And he adds to it the quotation from Psalm 118. Blessed is the coming of the king. So Jesus is coming to the city of the king. And he comes in the manner of a king, except he's riding this donkey instead of a steed, a beautiful horse, but he's acclaimed by the crowd as the king. And they hope that the kingdom will now be announced. But what kind of king is Jesus? And what does his kingdom look like? Well, first, he's a king who brings peace. Luke also records the crowds as saying, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Do you recognize those words? I hope so, because we heard it at Christmas on the lips of the angels as they made their announcement to the shepherds in the fields. When Zechariah celebrates the birth of his son John, the Baptist, he anticipates that this ministry will give light to those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and guide our feet into the way of peace of uh, excuse me the way of peace this is found in Luke 1 peace is a major feature of the theology of both Luke and Paul so much that Paul begins every letter with not just with the customary greeting of grace but also with peace secondly Jesus is a king who merits praise and brings joy. Celebration is a consistent theme in Luke, not least in the parables of the lost who are found. Thirdly, Jesus is a king who brings power. The disciples welcoming Jesus celebrate the works of power they've seen him doing. Luke has a distinctive interest in the question of power. When the Spirit comes on Mary, then power from on high rests upon her, the same power that will rest upon the disciples in Acts 1 and 2. This will be when we celebrate Pentecost. You'll hear more about this. 
and Jesus himself, who goes into the temptations in the desert, in the Spirit, returns in the power of the Spirit. But this power is not used to control, to control, to manipulate, or restrict, but to bring down the proud in the imagination of their hearts, and to give freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. This is a different kind of king to any you've ever met. And the reason for this is that the journey up to Jerusalem is not a journey of power and glory, but as Paul makes it clear, it's a journey down in obedience to death. This is why he brings peace. He has turned us from enemies of God to friends through his death. This is why he brings praise and joy, because his death and resurrection have dealt with the things which separate us from God and from one another. This, this is the power he offers, power to know forgiveness and the peace of mind. And this presents us each with a challenge. Will we stand up with the disciples and welcome this King of Peace, praise, and power? Or will we stand with the Pharisees, who are like the resentful tenants who will not have this man reign over us? Where are we in this unfolding drama that begins on Palm Sunday and plays out over Holy Week, and which climaxes on Easter? Where are we as Jesus passes by on the donkey? Are we one of the crowd shouting out his name? Are we like Judas anyway? Will we have betrayed others? Will we have betrayed Jesus? When, like Peter, have we denied knowing Jesus? Are we like Pilate when we judge and condemn others? How are we like Simon and Veronica, who helps Jesus in his time of need? Having stood with the crowd, shouting out his name and welcoming Jesus, will we stand with the same people, spitting out insults as we shout, crucify him, crucify him? As we celebrate Palm Sunday and begin our journey through Holy Week, we are called to ask ourselves who and where we are in the crowd. This is a week to pray and then decide what kind of followers of Christ we are and are going to be. Let us pray. God, as we begin this most holy of weeks, may Jesus be our constant companion. May we enter in the mystery of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection with faith and hope. Amen.